millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Condensed Mysteries. I'm your host, Jem Daduchu, and what we're doing this time round on Condensed Histories is, as always, we take a piece of pop culture and we show you the real history behind it. But this time round, I'm going to start off with a joke. And the joke is this. Something which has never occurred since time immemorial. A young woman did not fart in her husband's lap. Now, you might be thinking, bit off colour, Jem. Why are you starting with a joke, Jem? And that's because what you've just heard is the oldest joke we have a copy of. Take a guess how long ago we were joking about farting. Take a wild stab. How old could you possibly be preserving a joke from? The answer is 1900 BC from ancient Sumeria, modern-day Iraq. And so suddenly you realise that something that happened basically 4,000 years ago, a joke that made people laugh 4,000 years ago, yeah, okay, you can complain about my delivery. You might not have necessarily found it funny, and we'll come on to that idea a little bit later on. But the point is this. A fart gag is something that we still do today. He's acting worse than you did when you're trying to cover your farts by coughing. Okay, welcome to the PTA meeting. On the subject of school lunches, I know there's been some concern about nutrition. <coughs> and yet it was something that made people giggle about 4,000 years ago. And so the way I'm going to be talking about comedy, the way to introduce it, if you like, is my all-time favourite comedy show. Now, I have a few comedy shows I absolutely adore. But there can be no doubt that community just wins. Well, that's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Now, for the record, yes, of course, I love a bit of Blackadder, Monty Python, Faulty Towers. Listen, don't mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it all right. So Mitchell and Webb look. Are we the baddies? <laughs> I don't know, it just goes on and on and on. Bit of Ricky Gervais in there. I've obviously stand-up comedy. Love a bit of that. The topical, satirical shows in the UK, sometimes in America. Yeah, funny. 30 Rock, great levels of gags going on there. You know, Friends, Frasier, Cheers. These are all, all great. But the thing about community that just beats it hands down is similarly, they have an awful lot of jokes. But on top of that, their direction and their satirizing of genres 
Come with me if you don't want paint on your clothes. Is peerless. So much so, I'm, I'm going to prove it to you in this podcast. But the interesting thing is, if I briefly jump to the history stuff for a moment, when we talk about the past, we tend to get very serious. We tend to talk about wars, political scandals, the rise and fall of empires. If we talk about the Industrial Revolution, it might be about the innovation, but it's largely about the colossal social change, the social inequality and injustice, and less about the fact that people still, even in tough times, laughed. So community is the perfect place to start about this. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, and the weird thing is, <laughs> this is so good, and yet it's always been rather cult in terms of following. It ran from 2009 to 2015 and managed to do just about six seasons. The running gag is six seasons in a movie. We've yet to have the movie, unfortunately, but I get the feeling that most of the band is willing to get back together again. Now, what this is, is about a community college in Colorado and a highly unlikely group of people gathering together to sit down and just have fun, leading them onto deeply surreal Silly adventures. Now that's an adventure. We should go soon. We can go anywhere in a balloon. Yes! Making therefore like a meta commentary, let's have a bit of meta in here, about modern media, about plot lines, story arcs, about tropes that you see in TV and movies. It is really, really clever stuff. However, it never quite caught on. Its biggest star was Chevy Chase, more on him in a moment, but the thing about it was that it just never got the viewing numbers, eventually got canned from mainstream TV, got picked up by Yahoo of all places, which resurrected it with a final season, and it, it just, it's one of these things that once it stopped being shown, that the, the fans knew how good it was. I picked up on it just before the sixth season came out, so I don't know if that makes me an original or not, I don't know. But it took forever for the sixth season to actually be released in the UK, because funnily enough, Yahoo doesn't have a big imprint in terms of network TV in the UK. It was something that I just never got to see. However, once it all came onto Netflix, I don't know where you are. And this is the thing about Netflix. People sometimes don't realize it is region locked. So, for example, your country might have some, obviously, every country has Netflix content like, I don't know, The Witcher or Don't Look Up. But what they don't do is buy a movie. I'm going to randomly pick something, something like Ghostbusters. Who you gonna call? That might appear on your region's Netflix, but it might not be in the country next door to use Netflix. What I can tell you is that in the UK, communities on it. I hope that communities on your one, if you haven't seen it, oh please, treat yourself. This is going to be great. Again, it is a little bit problematic to recommend comedy. I, again, we'll, we'll do a deeper dive on that in a moment. So, as I said, the basic plot is these people, young and old, get together in this community college in Colorado and go off on adventures, which when you think about it, something like Friends, for example, they all sort of have jobs. They are briefly mentioned in terms of their jobs. Probably the, the biggest job they keep referring to is Joey's acting career. But really, the amount of time they just sit around in each other's rooms or on the sofa in the coffee shop. They, 
it just it's not a fair reflection of what real 20 something life is the other thing is they're obviously living in a fairly fashionable part of new york couldn't possibly afford that so there are tropes going on there the point is that be it Frasier, be it Friends, be it Curb Your Enthusiasm, be it Seinfeld, whatever it may be, the people's day-to-day -day jobs are irrelevant. It's a way into whatever jokes that you're doing. And in this case, they really couldn't care less about the day job. And it's far more about let's just have fun with some of these tropes and styles. So the key writer and the co-creator of this series is Dan Harmon. If he sounds familiar, then he's the creative behind the idea of Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty forever and forever, 100 years, Rick and Morty some things. Me and Rick and Morty running around in Rick and Morty time. And he is a genius, but he is erratic. And he eventually got kicked off community. He was rude. He was late with his scripts. He was difficult to work with. He was erratic. One of these things about sort of like these, he's a genius but he's so hard to work with. And that's exactly what was happening with Dan Harmon. He eventually got kicked off. They got new writers in and that series, everybody recognizes, boy, is that a terrible decline in quality. So proving that an erratic genius, when we're talking about entertainment, when we're talking about art, erratic genius beats the reliable one, the steady as they go one, that doesn't have that same genius spark of creativity. So Harmon was eventually brought back since then, he's pretty much apologized to everybody about everything. He has owned his own problems. He had issues with drink, like I said, being late, being late with his scripts, being rude and abusive. It's just he knew he wasn't in either a good place and he was a good, wasn't a good person then, and he's fully apologized for all of this. But you've got somebody who created this thing that was just so beloved from 2009 to 2015, which is also kind of where we're getting at the start of Rick and Morty now as well. And, you know, that is just continued to be this sort of cult, cultural touchstone out there. I have great respect for Dan Harmon. So then we come on to the directors, because, yeah, people have to direct this stuff. And the thing is, comparing the likes of Community with the likes of, let's say, Friends, let's face it, it's the one that everybody knows, is Friends... It's all about the scripts, and yes, the actor's doing it, but nobody talks about the cool direction in something like Friends or Cheers, because it's sets, it's, there's only a limited different ways you can shoot the stuff, it is what it is. But with Community, they're on location, there were lots of very clever little shots, and then they started mimicking, as I said, certain genres, certain techniques, and to give you an idea, one person who ended up directing three episodes of Community is a gentleman called Justin Lin. If that name sounds vaguely familiar, it should do, because that's... I don't think he's directed all of them, but he's directed all the big ones of the Fast and Furious franchise. Now, whatever you may think of those films, the reality is they've made a ton of money. The scripts are ridiculous, okay? The, the plots and setups are ludicrous. I only ever saw one in the cinema that was seven. And I will never see another one in the cinema because it was so annoyingly dumb. I just couldn't bring myself to it. But the point is this, Justin Lin, he's directed other things apart from Fast and Furious. The man knows how to direct. And the thing about Fast and Furious is we, we may be laughing at the acting, we may be laughing at the plots, but 
we know what a well put together chase scene looks like. We know what action should be, and Justin Lin delivers. And yet, he cut his teeth on a comedy show. Can we do better than Justin Lin? I think we can. Because there's also the Russo brothers, who directed between the two of them dozens of episodes. They are, if you like, the main directors of community. Now, if those names sound familiar, they were eventually given a Captain America movie to do, which led to them doing two of the biggest movies of cinema history, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Let me just say, if aliens wind up implanting eggs in my chest or something and I eat one of you, I'm sorry. I do not want another single pop culture reference out of you for the rest of the trip, you understand? And that's how good they are. That was their calling card. And again, I, this is no disrespect to the directors on things like Blackadder or Friends or Seinfeld. The point is with those is they're on sets and there are only so many places you can point a camera. Oh, God. What a way to die. Shot down an unrealistic grassy knoll. But this shows you the quality of not just what was being shot in Community, but the quality of their spoofs. They have episodes which are basically spaghetti westerns with paintballs, or Star Wars, again, admittedly with paintballs. There's a zombie episode to do with very gone-off food and sort of hallucinogens, and that is a great zombie movie ripoff. They've done one that's basically Glee, just sort of like spoofing all these sort of high school musical type things. When the last Glee Club died in that bus crash, you guys stepped up and you were the best gosh darn emergency substitutes I've ever worked with. Did a brilliant episode on that. And again, when they start shooting that, oh, there's one that's done in like claymation, another one that's done in video game animation, kind of like 8-bit graphics. The ingenuity is amazing. Ken Burns. If that name sounds familiar, he is a giant among American documentary, historical documentary filmmakers, and for his, again, incredibly important documentary series about the US Civil War, there's no footage of the US Civil War, but they do have photos. So Ken Burns invented, or the documentary team around him, invented this idea of like slowly zooming in on photos. So it gave a sense of movement as you had a voiceover. And because of that, that sort of way of doing it has become standard now in documentaries. That came out in the 1990s, and yet it's still used sort of 30 years later. So 10, 10 out of 10 to Ken Burns. But then there's this huge pillow fort fight thing. That's an episode. And it's all done in kind of flashback with photos with the kind of fiddle music in the background. And suddenly it's Ken Burns. US Civil War documentary, but done very silly about basically people having a pillow fight. In 2012, Greendale Community College was the site of the largest and longest pillow fight in community college history. It shaped and scarred the landscape of their campus and forever changed the lives of those involved. At no point is it actually dripping in violence or anything like that. Instead, it's a case of they take the idea and they very much make it silly. There's another episode which is, you would say it's a bit like Seven or a bit like those very gritty serial killer type things, but really it's about somebody sticking coins into people's butt cracks, the butt crack bandit. There's an episode where just in the background, 
one of the characters is aiding a woman giving birth and delivering a child. This is never mentioned in the episode, and it is mentioned several episodes later just in passing. It's like, hey, do you remember the time I, gave, uh, I help a woman give birth? No, nobody remembers that. And so it was the launch pad of a number of different people's careers. So the person I just mentioned helping to give birth, that was Danny Puddy as Arbed. Arbed, he's neurodiverse. He's sort of slightly autistic. He's also, it gets confusing over a period of time, but he's also sort of Muslim as well. So, you know, you've got a character which traditionally, that's the sort of bad guy you'd get in an action movie, but here he's just show, well, it gives him a chance to sort of comment on the, on the show as if it's a TV show and everybody else kept saying to him, no, Ar, but it's real life, which is very clever. You've got also Gillian Jacobs as Britta, sort of the, the classic blonde, but everybody hates her kind of thing. Then there's Alison Brie as Annie, who's just lovely in it. She, I mean, all Everybody has good lines. The ladies are given just as good lines. I'm going to put it out there right now. I think Alison Brie is hot, okay? Loved her in Glow, loved her in this, loved her in several other things as well. Well done, Alison Brie. I'm a big fan. You're talented. You're also gorgeous. That's it. Move on. Then you've got Ken Jong, who has appeared in so many different things, quite often as the crazy Asian guy. And he plays Chang, who is the ultimate in crazy Asian men. And the thing I love about Ken Jong is he is a fully qualified doctor. You just wrinkled my brain, man. He gave up medical school. Actually, he, he was past medical school. He was a doctor, but in the evenings he was doing stand-up comedy clubs. And so we have somebody who's earning a very good look, a bit like Harry Hill in Britain. He's also, I mean, he stopped being a doctor, but these are people who act absolutely insane on our TV screens. And so there's a little part of me thinking, if I was ever about to go under, not that every doctor is a surgeon, that that's a different thing, but if you can imagine Ken Jong looking down and you going, this is absolutely fine. We've got this under control. I would be having a huge panic attack because of course you associate him with Chang. Then you've got perhaps the, the biggest breakout of all of these, Donald Glover. He is the best friend of Abed, Danny Puddy, and the two of them just have such chemistry. Troy and Abed in the morning. It's a real shame. He ended up leaving, I think, in season four. And you also have Chevy Chase. There are other characters as well, yes, but I could go on and on. I won't. But Chevy Chase was brought in as far as I can work out because, well, they needed an older person, but let's get somebody that everybody recognizes as an established comedian. You know, they could have done Robin Williams, for example, or, so, or something like that. Instead, they went for Chevy Chase. Didn't exactly go well. Now, for the record, Chevy plays a very irascible, sort of like nasty, racist, sexist kind of dinosaur. It turns out he wasn't too far from that in real life. But the real problem was this is a man who'd had a huge comedy career in the 70s and 80s and into the early 90s. But there was a time. For a good, clear 10 years, he was one of the hottest comedians in the world. But by 2009, that was long gone. But he was still very much living on it, and apparently he was very hard to work with. So he plays Pierce, and Pierce was killed off. But ironically, shortly after that, Donald Glover goes as well. So you lose some of these sort of central characters, and they replace them with very solid actors doing a very good job but perhaps not as good as the originals. Again, a bit like Dan Harmon. You can't have lightning in the bottle twice kind of thing. So I love Community. It is such high quality. It is such a great example of American comedy working at its best. Now, I've had a conversation with some of my American family 
particularly years ago, when I was saying, well, the great thing about British comedy is you might get the British office or you might get something like Forty Towers, but it's all written by a single person. You know, it's artistic ability at its finest. And that's why you only ever get 12 episodes of Forty Towers, but each one is perfect. And I'll never forget one of my family members in America going, I don't care about that. I just want to laugh. And I think that's absolutely valid. America does it very differently. They have these writer's rooms where literally there are 10 different writers writing for a season of, let's say, Friends. Some of them might be specialists in Monica. Some of them might be specialists in Joey. And so, yes, I mean, some people tend to do more of one thing than the other because they kind of got that voice, as it were. But everybody's allowed to throw out the gags. And that's how you end up with 24 episodes a season. And that's how you end up with nearly 250 episodes of Friends. Now, they are of varying quality, but I don't think any of them are like two out of five stars. I think they go from three to five. And obviously towards the end, they're more threes than fives. But yeah, does it really matter? Do, do you need to know how many people were working on the script if you're just sitting there laughing? That's the really interesting thing. And going back to the history, human beings have always wanted to laugh. In fact, even things that aren't even human like to laugh in their own way. I think I've done enough of community. I really hope I've sold it to you. It feels special. It will probably age over time, but so I'm just chuckling there because I remember an episode which is kind of like Apollo 13, only it's about them being stuck in a kind of KFC van, which has a sort of KFC game, but it's almost like they're astronauts. It's ridiculous. I just please, if you have not seen Community, check it out in whatever way you can. And if you have seen Community, you have excellent taste. Well done, you. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready get 30, ready get 20 20, 20 ready get 20 20, ready get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm going to talk about another classic comedian now, Bob Hope. Very much of his time. Very big in the 40s and 50s. Went on into the 60s, but by then, like everybody, getting a little bit older. But he once said about the Oscars, he, he pointed out that comedic, comedic roles, because in the Oscars, it's just best actor. Doesn't say in a drama or anything like that, whereas in the Golden Globes, they do have two different categories, one for drama and one for comedy slash musical, because they require different types of acting. So with that in mind, he said that the thing is, we can all agree what's dramatic. If you have a parent holding a dead child in a thunderstorm, we can all agree that is sad and that is dramatic. And he's right. But then he follows on with, but what's funny? And that's the thing. Some things you will find funny that I won't and vice versa. I'm now at the age where I have teenage children and I was recently sitting there in the cinema watching a film, won't say which one, and I laughed. And my eldest son tapped me on the shoulder and went, could you please be quieter? And that really annoyed me because I'm not doing it for, to get everybody to look at me, but it was a funny joke and I appreciated it. There was a time when I went to the cinema with my sister. We have very similar tastes of, of music. Uh, music? Well, yes, but also comedy. And on this occasion, it was a Sasha Baron Cohen movie. I think it was The Dictator. It might have been the first Borat movie. I'm not quite sure. But the point was, the two of us laughed uproariously through it, and at the end, a man, a couple of rows in front of us, turned round, looked at us with a smile on his face, and he just said, well, you two really enjoyed that movie. And that's the thing, trying to sit there watching a comedy on your own, you will not laugh as much as when you're with other people. Laughing is kind of communal. Like I say, not, you, not everybody's going to laugh at the same thing. But I have a friend called Tim, and he, like me, kind of laughs at anything. I love going to see a comedy with him. Flip side of that, love my wife dearly, but she will watch a comedy and at the end of it go, be silent throughout it and say, that was really funny at the end of it, but, but not indicate it in any way. And it's like, I will do my best to not watch comedies with her because I'm doing all the heavy lifting of laughing. Sorry, love you, darling. Anyway. So the point is that the thing about comedies is kind of personal, but there are sort of these these rules, you know, bodily functions. You can have a little three year old in front of you and they will find the word poo or whatever it is in their local language hilarious. Poo is just a funny word. And indeed, you know, whatever the slang term for it is, the, the harmless slang term for it is in any language. And as I said earlier, farts. 
passing of gas is again because it's sort of uncontrollable and it's a little bit embarrassing it's therefore funny and it's funny around the world i just told you what well, didn't just but at the beginning of all this i told you a nearly 4000 year old joke from ancient sumeria we have literally pictures paintings call them what you will from the edo period of japan we're talking sort of between 1600s and 1800s here of literally the battle of the farts with people with their trousers down pointing their bottoms to each other with clearly huge gusts of wind aimed at each other this was not a real battle this is just a bit of fun and the idea of bodily functions and farting and things like that around the globe is generally considered funny burping in europe is considered a bit rude in the middle east it is a traditional sign of after eating a large meal that i really enjoyed it so i always remember my turkish grandfather burping after a meal and i me and my sister sitting there sniggering as little kids and my mother sort of like elbowing me under the table going no it means something different here kids shrek what it's a compliment better out than in i always say so naughtiness is Im important i'll give you another joke i think you can guess from what era this is from how do you entertain a bored pharaoh sail a boat load of young women dressed only in fishing nets down the nile and urge the pharaoh to go catch a fish so that's from 1600 bc so it's only a little bit more recent than the first joke still more than three and a half thousand years old and the joke there is about sex and libido and yeah you know you were created by your parents who love each other very much and etc etc and and that keeps going back generation to generation to generation every generation seems to think that they invented reproduction but logic dictates that's not the case and there are very rude ancient egyptian pictures up on various tomb walls so rude i if you're the, that, that sort of person then you might want to check those out when they started digging up pompeii in the victorian era basically it had been known about earlier but when it started being properly excavated and photos started being taken it was a sensation but very quickly the archaeologists realized that there was some stuff that just simply wasn't fit for victorian consumption the romans clearly had a very different attitude to certain things so there became this this incredibly best-selling book about the basically images of, of some of the fresco art and some of the finds and so on and so forth of Pompeii incredibly important these sort of discoveries of Pompeii and they put all the naughty stuff into a museum which for years you could have had to only go into it under appointment and so on and so forth and eventually photos were released in a book and I think it was called the forbidden discoveries of Pompeii the point being that yeah I mean there's kind of this this rudeness and ribaldry everybody in the roman empire didn't just say ave caesar and sort of like march in the legions they were human beings they lived their lives they wanted to have some fun i mean this is something that i guess we can relate to a little bit now because at least in the uk we seem to be coming to the end of the pandemic touch word etc but the reality is particularly in the first lockdown you know in march 2020 around the world everything was shutting down it was very scary we had no resistance to this virus it was spreading rapidly across the globe but that didn't mean that people were just miserable i remember the huge amounts of comedy videos being sent to me on whatsapp or they were 
sort of links to various things on TikTok or whatever. And I'm not saying that they're high art, but the point is, even in those dark times, as hundreds of thousands of people were dying, even then, people were willing to have fun with the situation. Because if you don't laugh, you'll cry, as the saying goes. So human beings have always tried to sort of respond to this. You get something like Chaucer, for example, where, yes, some of it's serious, but a lot of it is very bawdy. And it, it's very gross base humor. Shakespeare, people talk about him being the greatest writer in the English language, and he is the full, almost sort of three-dimensional, almost lifelike depiction of some of these made-up characters, like Hamlet, for example, you know, considered one of the greatest plays ever written in any language. And yet, in so many of his plays, because he had to play to the audience, we'll give them some tragedy, we'll give them some drama, but we also got to give them a laugh. And whereas some of his comedy comedies really aren't that funny to the modern ear, just sort of like various switch, switching clothes with hilarious consequences is only so funny. But there are these sort of like throwaway lines that are incredibly rude. But again, everybody knows what you, what you mean by that, you know, be it in 1600s, in 1600 BC, or today. So I think the problem, one of the biggest problems with history is we forget that the people involved were also three-dimensional human beings, and they didn't just think about... I don't know, the Battle of Hastings or the Industrial Revolution or the expansion of the British Empire. They also want to be entertained, have a few laughs. That's really, really important. The oldest joke we have in English is from Anglo-Saxon. What hangs from your waist and wishes to poke a hole that has been poked many times? Answer, a key. <laughs> don't know what you were thinking of, but the answer is a key. So if your mind went anywhere else, that's on you. We also get things like political satire. I'm actually going to leave that for another podcast. I think we need to talk about satire and its importance and its development over centuries. This is not something that's new. This was not invented by The Daily Show or Have I Got News For You or anything like that. It goes back a surprisingly long way. But I put that a little bit more into the world of politics. What I find interesting is I, I listen to things like the, the Now Show or but basically, every Friday night on, on BBC Radio 4, which is turned into a podcast, they have some kind of political comedy. And in that week, it's really funny. But I just, I tried it out. I just randomly went back to three years ago, just, just picked a date in 2019 and listened to it. And people were roaring with laughter. But because I, I couldn't remember the political situation that they were referencing specifically in these sort of subtle barbs didn't really work so yeah so i'm not talking about that like i said it doesn't matter where we are in the world doesn't matter what period we're talking about a fart is funny okay a custard pie in the face is funny one thing i really like is people are forever slipping on banana peels in all these silent movies that was a substitute for something else there were so many horses in the places like downtown Paris and London and New York, you know, let's say round about 1910, that actually the problem was, people talk about modern day pollution, that is absolutely an issue, but people seem to think everything was better then. But no, there were tens of thousands of horses. Their iron hooves clattering on the cobbled streets. It was as loud, if not louder, than modern day traffic driving up and down roads on nice, quiet rubber tires. 
and also the sheer amount of, yes, poo. And it was common for people to slip and fall on poo. But you can't show that in a movie. That's a bit too strong. So what do they do? They substitute it with a banana peel. So no, people weren't forever falling down on banana peels in 1918, let's say. Instead, no, they were substituting it for something a little more gross, shall we say. So this is the thing that people do just like a laugh. And I always try and entertain you guys on this podcast, but it's not the same thing as actually being funny. Yeah, look, I always hope I entertain you. I always hope I sort of tell you something you didn't know. Recently had somebody say about the Boba Fett one, I said in passing about Dark Disciple, the book, it led them to buy it. They were, reached out to me on Twitter and said, it's amazing, and even hooked in the author to that, and suddenly the author got involved in the conversation. That's an amazing, amazing moment on Twitter. Thank you. Thank you very much. And so, yes, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say, look, you know, it, we should be having fun with this stuff. You know, Blackadder has its problems in terms of teaching you actual history, apart from the fact that there was a Queen Elizabeth I, almost everything else is wrong. But, you know, okay, fine. So we know that the Tudors existed, and after that, just having fun and just putting a smile on your face, what's the harm in that? And the thing about humour is, it's, and, and this is something that Greg, the editor, Oh my God, it's a dream. And he says, the great thing about it is it's about, quite often it's about the little, little man punching up. And, and Shakespeare in particular, it's quite often the servants are doing things that are making the, the sort of like the lords and ladies look a little bit more foolish because under normal circumstances, they wouldn't be able to, to do that. Let me give you another example of the sort of like the forever joy of, of the sort of like base, rude, lavatorial humour. Henry II, he was the king of both Richard the Lionheart and also King John. He ruled for quite a long time in the 1100s. He had a very tough upbringing. He ended up fighting a war with his own son, Richard Lionheart, and he lost to, to his own son. He had a tumultuous, really fascinating reign. He married Eleanor of Aquitaine as well. So anyway, the point is, this is all the things that everybody remembers about him. But what would he remember? Christmas Day. Because every Christmas Day... Roland the Farter. <laughs> probably not his real name, he would turn up every Christmas day, we have this in the record, and he would do one jump, one whistle, one fart. <coughs> At the same time, <coughs> to amuse the king, Henry II, and he was given a small little estate. No, he wasn't one of the great landowners of the world, but imagine doing a, a hop, whistle and fart at the same time gets you a nice house, not a little terrible house, a nice house with enough land around it that you can basically sustain yourself indefinitely. That's a hell of a deal. That shows you how much Henry II enjoyed a fart joke. And you get Le Petamain and, and these sort of like these farters. It's kind of died out now. But for centuries these people using their gases to entertain people either as sort of a form of acrobatics sort of or just basically to make people laugh yeah fine doesn't matter like i say where we are in the world or what time we are in the world that's the sort of thing that just puts a smile on people's face and i think that when it's when it's tough out there when things can look a little bit bleak i think that's when human comedy works the best but I've got one more thing to tell you, but just before I do that, guys, please don't forget to click subscribe. 
don't forget to give us a review the more people who review this the quicker we grow thank you very much for that and like i said i'm out there on twitter sort of like promoting the podcast and other things as well but if you see one about the podcast i'm at jem deducci on on twitter please share it retweet it like it something like that would be really helpful okay the thing i'm going to finish off with is i was i kept talking about sort of like human fun throughout history and all that kind of stuff but the interesting thing is that the part of the brain that responds to laughter is different to the part of the brain that responds to language. There have been times when you have laughed so hard, you've been short of breath. You could, in theory, die of laughing. They, people have put people in CAT scans and, and seen that you basically shrink your throat. You're kind of sort of choking yourself when you're laughing, but you get this endorphin rush. Laughing is good for you, make mo no mistake about it. However, what it's led to is the fact that because the part of the brain that is stimulated leading to laughter is such a basic part of the brain, it led to some scientists leading to, well, let's see if we can tickle other animals and see if they enjoy it, basically. This is, was somebody's PhD. And so I want you to think how far down the evolutionary scale could you go and they are still, you know, basically stimulating them physically leads to them sort of feeling fun and joy and sort of their own version of laughter. I'll give you a clue. We're not down to crabs, okay? They're just heartless, soulless crustaceans, okay? They don't laugh. <gasps> he knows. So how far down? It is, it is a mammal that is the basic one. Would a, would a horse laugh? Would a cow laugh? Would a pig or dog or, or cat? Do, do they find that, that stuff fun? And the answer is they go all the way down to and including rats. Anything more basic than a rat, like a mouse, it just just doesn't doesn't get it, basically. But everything from an orangutan down to a rat finds things funny and you can tickle them. And I think it's kind of wonderful that somebody got a PhD for that. But it shows you how truly universal comedy is. Thanks very much for listening and hopefully speak to you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. 
Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.